All right, here we are. Chug Me the Mooney, episode 20. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, of course, I'm here with Chug. Yeah, man. What's up? And Joel, how you feeling today? Doing pretty good. Can't complain. Nice, smooth, easy Sunday. Okay, cool. So, 20th episode. Uh, we had a lot of things we wanted to talk about, and some things uh, we wanted to give a little special space to. So, uh, also, if you check out this episode, check out our Brianna Taylor special that we, me and Chug recorded on a couple of days ago. That's up there right now. Uh, we felt that uh, we needed more time than our normal for- normal format. So please check that out and hear our thoughts on that. Uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, sports-related topics in a way, uh, but kind of off the field. Uh, many people might know uh, Jason Whitlock. He's like a sports talk personality for the last couple decades. Uh, well, he made a statement uh, that people are, are – saying that it's like sex is like sex is uh, common so we're going to jump into that and give our opinions on that uh also uh you could you could see a lot of uh conversation about lebron and we're going to try to break it down lebron versus maga so that's another verse thing we're going to jump into and this is going to be a little more personal for us we all have it like as a collective uh we all have like an idea of like oh like the heartbreak, the most heartbreaking moment in sports, or uh, oh, this was like, the biggest moment. These fans must have uh, must hate this moment. But we're gonna jump into our personal choice of the one sports moment that we're trying to forget. Okay, so uh, we're gonna jump into that as well. Yeah, right, so- I guarantee there's gonna be some overlap there. <laughs> what? But I guarantee there'll be some overlap in that segment. Yeah, no, we're gonna. Not cut each other off. We're going to give uh, give uh, everyone their uh, soapbox. Right. All right. So uh, what's been going on with Jason Whitlock? If you guys don't know, Jason Whitlock is a sports talk personality. Uh, came to prominence about 20 years ago. Uh, you can you define his career by uh, saying that he bounced around a lot, different outlets. Started early on with ESPN. They bounced around to like AOL and Fox and back to ESPN. They went back to Fox. And now he's not with Fox anymore. So he's been in a new outlet. And quite recently, he expressed himself about why he's in a situation he is professionally. And he sort of attacked ESPN, his uh, former uh, his former uh, company. Employer, yeah. Former, former employer. And he targeted two of their personalities who were both – women so a lot of people are saying that the comments were were sexist and i'm just going to drop the basically the paraphrase what he said he uh, basically said like no nolan uh maria taylor and uh and nolan you might see them if you watch espn you see them all over the place they be, he basically said that that uh nolan's beauty intoxicates tv execs bloggers and journalists uh and the same with maria taylor like they're only on tv basically for their looks Basically, he's attacking their credentials. That's what I got from right. why people are thinking it's sexist. Uh, but I'm going to throw it to Shug first. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, so um, so going back to um, the Monday night, you know, we talked last week about um, Alejandro um, Villanueva with Steelers in relation to that Monday night football game. So, obviously, there was a lot going on with that game that didn't have to do with the actual game, but, like, the things outside of it. 
So Maria Taylor, she came out, or she was the sideline reporter for that game. So she was wearing like a black, like leather outfit, whatever. And I just remembered like when I saw it and I saw her in it, I was like, oh, that's, that's different. Because, you know, you got to remember that for uh, women, you know, for men, like the, 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 the formal wear when you're sports, you know, you're broadcasting sports is like a suit and tie or sometimes like a polo and slacks. For women, there's no uniform. They just, you know, wear something that's, you know, like form, you know, like, like business casual, um, especially when they're on the sidelines. Cause you know, you got to move around a lot and stuff like that. So to wear like, let's say like a dress or like, um, heels and, and things like that. It might be, like, uncomfortable. So it was an individual and in, uh, a radio personality, I think, in Chicago that said, you know, um, she shouldn't be hosting, like, the NBA countdown, which she's the host of, and she should be hosting the AVN Awards, which is the Porno Awards, which is wild. If you're, like, a, a radio, like, think about that, like, AVN Awards, that's something you would have to look up if you're not, like, you know, a Pino Dabbler like myself. <laughs> it was very specific. Exactly. So, you know, like, he didn't say, like, she, she looks like she should be hosting, like, a porn award. So he, he kind of revealed himself. So, well, you know, um, she, she yeah, Mike, what did you say? Well, Sorry. the AVN is the highest quality of all the award shows of Pino. Yeah. I mean, but I ought to get into, like, the – Specifics of Pino Awards. We'll save that for another episode, but uh, another episode. But um, uh, he said that so she defended herself, and you know, obviously, a lot of people claim to her defense. Even I did, I, I did like a post to her, um, because um, Jalen Rose, like the day after, like he brought out like a gift basket to show like solidarity, which I thought was like awesome, um. So Whitlock basically said, like, um, is Maria Hill gonna just play the victim for the rest of her career? Like, and basically, like, she shouldn't have even like defended herself. Um, and then Katie Nolan came to to her defense, which is like really cool. I like you know two, um, women in sports, um you know, show solidarity there and, like, defended each other, which in, like, the past we, like, really never saw. Like, I remember, like, when um, Jameel Hill um, had gotten in trouble for calling Donald Trump a white supremacist and a lot of the females, uh, uh, a lot of the women in, in uh, ESPN and different sports event, um, avenues didn't throw their support behind her. Um... So, you know, it was cool to see them go um, to, 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 to back each other up. And Whitlock made another article, like uh, Mike said, um, disparaging Katie Nolan, um, questioning her credentials and, and things of that nature. Um, and basically, like Mike said, you know, oh, like, you know, these people are only on TV because of their looks and, and, and shit like that. Joel. Yeah, well, but as far as I know, you know, like, I know Jason Whitlock mostly for, like, just always shitting on Kobe, like, his whole career. 
So, like, I always felt like Jason Whitlock, he's one of those, I'm pretty sure he started off his career, his journalism career as, you know, a good actual journalist, but he saw more of a reason to be one of those outlandish journalists, the same, you know, shooting from the lip. I felt like, you know, he just, he wanted to focus more on that. So, like, anything he's saying, like, obviously it's just disrespectful to women. Women can dress however she wants. Like, the ABN award, like, that you said, Shug, like, he just gave himself up like that, the, the radio host. He gave himself up. Now we, everybody knows what he likes. Everybody knows that. So, but, yeah, Jason, went, like, I, nothing he says really should, anybody should take serious. Like, the guy, like I said, I've known him for really shitting on Kobe his whole career. And I was just out, you know, him just shooting from the lip. And then I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know if he said anything after his death, but he should have just kept his mouth shut. Like, don't speak good about Kobe now after he's dead. So, like, if he said anything, I don't know. But hopefully he said nothing at all. But yeah, like, it's just disrespectful to women for you to make any comments like that. Like, women could just as much easily play the sport. I'm pretty sure he can't even play the sport, any sport. He like, He's chubby. He has mm-hmm. no, you know, he probably has no endurance or anything. And these women will probably beat him at sports. So, there we go. Yeah, right. um... Like he he also um the other day, um Allen Iverson got on Matt Barnes and um Stephen Jackson's show on Showtime. Um and he basically like took a moment to go after like somebody and he you know, Allen Iverson, he didn't wanna put the person's name out there because he didn't wanna like give him that like um free promotion so to speak but you know in my the the consensus is the person that he's talking about is Jason Whitlock so you know I also feel like Joel said like you know he he is somebody because I used to watch him on ESPN I'd see him on like PTI and Sports Center and different shows like that um and and he, he he was like a regular like sports guy, but you know what we see a lot today, not only in sports, but in like pop culture and politics and news. It's like people turn into like, um, just um people like you you just get sound bites from, and especially in this world where, you know, your name once you say something stupid as shit even if you're wrong, like your name's going to be trending on Twitter because of the ratios, you know, all these people is going to comment on yourself. So it puts your, your, whatever he ripped, he wrote, it's all um like they use the term clickbait. Like he says something like crazy people click on it. They read it. It keeps his numbers up. So that keeps them employed. People want like, you know, people's gonna, like Fox news. Cause he's always, um, you know, I talk about it a lot. I talked about it with Kanye. I talked about it with Daniel Cameron. Um, he's one of them black people that says a lot of shit that racist white people want to say but can't say. So he's the Uncle Tom that comes on the, the air or writes pieces that validates it. But well, you, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. sorry. Well, you brought up the whole uh, using uh, racist white white people using uh, someone like Whitlock as an like, a mouthpiece. Well, I'm doing a little back. Backstory, a back, uh, doing a little research on where he's at now. It's called Outkick the Coverage. And if you Google it, all like the headlines are like, 
if you didn't know it was about sports, you thought it would be, you thought it would be like Fox News. It was a little slanted towards that, like talking about Steve Nash, mm-hmm. attacking like Stephen A. Smith's comment on uh, Steve Nash, uh, which was something about like white privilege. And there's another one of his other uh, colleagues on that network. But anyway, going back to Whitlock's whole career, yeah, the word is like polarizing. He was always polarizing. And I was going to ask you guys, do you simply just think it's uh, to gain attention, to get the clicks, which you guys agree? Uh, but also, if we go all the way back, uh, like 15 years, because he started off in ESPN.com. And then when he left ESPN, when they cut ties with him for the first time, uh, he only had it was negative things to say about his colleagues like Lupica. He called him insecure. And then uh, Scoop Jackson, he basically called him like a, he called him a clown and said basically like he was like doing like a fake, like a fake ghetto thing or whatever. That's what the words he used. Yeah, and, and he, oh, not to cut you off, but I'm going to let you finish. But he also did the same thing. I used to, he used to always, because he left from ESPN or he got fired from ESPN. I don't know. Either way, he left the company. Which time? Um, well, well, the first time, and then he went to like um Fox Sports, and he was writing for Fox Sports, and he always used to disparage um Stuart Scott, God rest his soul, like while he was still alive and he was doing Sports Center, because you know Stuart Scott, um, you know his booyahs and and um, you know all of his um catchphrases and stuff when he was doing highlights and stuff like that, he would say, oh, like he's doing his like ghetto stick. And and he's he was very like insulting to um Stuart Scott um which is unfortunate. I mean that's when I started to really like really dislike him. Um, Jason Whitlock when he he started doing that because I I thought that was like uncalled for. Um, and this is before Stuart Scott even died. So especially in death, I was like, wow, like you you sound even terrible, even more terrible when you look up your old stories. And how you used to get at him, but yeah, like you were saying, like go on. Yeah, but going back to like credentials, like you know, he's knocking their uh, their appearance and like maybe like oh, he thinks that they're like using their uh, uh, you know their their physical and like they're using their uh, uh, womanly you know like whatever to get their jobs. But if you look at his rise in the ranks of like sports talk and the two women, uh, their rise. It's very, very similar. It's just that it's a different generation. So if you look at his, like he started off with like uh, working in college, covering college, college sports, and uh, like interning at a newspapers, like newspapers, you know? And then if you look at uh, Nolan's and Taylor's, like it was basically the same. Like uh, Taylor worked the sidelines in college football. Mm -hmm. And like right out of uh, college, he started doing the whole thing with like uh, blogs, Fox Sports blogs and uh, sideline reports. Uh, no one, uh, when she graduated, she had an athletic background as well, a junior, junior Olympics. But then she started doing like a blog, um, which they, she said was like supposed to be funny. Um, well, that's another topic about if it's funny or not. But uh, it was a blog about um, kind of like a bar stools type thing, slant, if you would, uh, if you ever like heard of it, because she's from like the New England area. Uh, but she started with the blog and then she got picked up uh, for a, a Fox Sports YouTube series. And again, this is very, this could all be very, very like, just like bitterness. Mm-hmm. Whitlock has been with all these different corporations and all these different outlets. And now where is he at now? Like, I'm not going to, I haven't watched any of this, this new outlet, Outlook, kick out the uh, whatever it is. But uh, uh, 
that doesn't that's not Fox, that's not ESPN. Maybe he's just like, well, backed in the corner and say, Oh shit, what am I gonna do now? I'm like Well I mean, new, it's kind of Well uh, that thing that thing you know, that like, he's that thing that he's on, it's um uh, um news site, um or sports news website created by Clay Travis, who is like, you know, like one of those right wing type of sports guys. Like he always has something very like one of those um he's like a Ben Shapiro of sports. And again, he's one of those people where they say like while like really like um borderline racist um inflammatory things and he gets like a lot of like um clicks from it or a lot of interaction a lot of engagement on social media and and shit like that just off of like the wild shit that he says and um like i actually have him blocked i have him and jason whitlock blocked on on twitter because i don't want to see anything that has to do with them but um when it comes to katie nolan and maria taylor like listen um, also something, I don't know if, if that was part of his thing too, like, um, Maria Taylor, she, or she got a lot of criticism from, um, Dave Gottlieb for her all NBA, um, voting for her ballot. Um, she had not put Anthony Davis on there and Anthony Davis had a great year. He ended up being first team all NBA without her. I think he got like 99 votes. And she was, she was 99, he was 99% and she was like the 1%, but she explained it as like, she, um, she simply, it was like an oversight. Like, cause you know, you have to pick three front court players. That's the center, power forward, small forward, and then two backcourt players, uh, two guards. So you know, of, like, the 12 players, I mean, the 15 players she picked for her ballot, you know, somehow, some way, she forgot to put him on. And I liken it to Derry Jeter, right? He gets into the Hall of Fame with, like, all the vote, almost unanimously minus one vote. And that one vote was um some dude, but Nobody is like, you know, saying that guy shouldn't be writing sports. Nobody's like looking at his like credentials and shit like that. Like, of course, like he's getting shitted on for not um, voting for Derek Jeter. Because how the hell could you look at Derek Jeter's career and not think he's a Hall of Famer? Especially when so many of your peers believe him to be a Hall of Famer. It just makes you look like wrong in, 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 um, it makes you look wrong like in our spotlight, but the point I want to make is that, you know, terrible sports takes, they, they, there's no bias. Like there's no gender. Um, it knows no gender with, with terrible sports takes. So why I don't just because like, she's a woman, I don't think you should be attacking, ta- attacking her credentials and saying like, she doesn't have a right to vote for, um, all NBA or whatever, whatever, like Dave Gottlieb said. I don't know if that's something that Jason Whitlock talked about. The other thing with um, Katie Nolan, Jason Whitlock, I know him from ESPN also. Like, he used to be on Bill Simmons um, from time to time, and, like, him and Bill Simmons had a 
relationship like back as uh, I think the last time he was on there was like in the early 2000s and um Bill Simmons he's a person he started off like writing a blog in college um probably before blogs were even a thing and then eventually you know he rose up started writing for ESPN um then had a prominent role with ESPN then he was on the um he used to be on the NBA um finals coverage like he used to be like on a halftime show and and things like that and then you know his relationship with ESPN soured and then he went and started his own stuff and all of that I say that because it's kind of parallel to Katie Nolan like I know Katie Nolan from like her stuff before she was a um before she 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 ended up on ESPN like she used to do um basically like the same thing Bill Simmons did and then she um, ended up at ESPN. But, you know, a show I love, Junk, um, Drunk History, that was on Comedy Central. A lot of, like, the sports story, she would be on there. And, like, she has a personality and she's engaging. And I find, like, a lot of time, like, the female people in sports, like, I find them a lot more insightful and a lot more fun to watch than the men a lot of the times. Like, because a lot of, like, these women, like, these women aren't just put on there because, like, they just look good. I'm like, listen, I'm going to just get the elephant out of the room. Like, Katie Nolan's fine to me. Like, she, she's, she's attractive to me. Maria Taylor is attractive to me. A lot of these women are attractive to me. But the fact is, like, they know their shit. Like, they're not there to be there. Like, if that was the case, then any fucking, like, woman with a cute face and a nice body would be doing sports. And believe you me, like, there was a time it used to be like that. Like, Mike, you remember all of those shows, like, um, Best Time Sports Show and all that shit. Um, well, I don't know that. I don't know her that well. But what about Skip Bayless? Not Skip Bayless. Uh, fucking, what do you call his other guy? Oh, I'll cut you off. Colin I'll, I'll let you finish. Huh? I'll, I was going to let you finish. But, uh, yeah, Katie Nolan, she had a show with, like, Regis Filman, you know? Did very, you? very, uh, oh, you know. On the on Fox? On the yeah, Fox Sports, like yeah, because I remember there was a little time like we just was on on Fox Sports on uh, FS1. So yeah, you you yeah, you're right. That's because FS1 kicked off uh, about 15 years ago already now, which is crazy. Yeah, because like li- listen, yeah. like you used to, it, it, remember they used to have a um they used to have a time they used to have like women just on there because they look good and you know I, I, like, I'm 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 not I'm being objective when I say this because you know what like you don't see them on anything like now like remember um i'm sure you remember mike like jillian barbary remember when she used to be on the fox on nfl sunday and and shit like that you don't see her on any sports show now like you um leanne tweeting like she was like a bikini model and then they used to have her doing sports but the women that are on there now like they know their shit like they they look good and i'm pretty sure there are men like, if you ask a woman and they watch, like, any of the sports shows and they see any of the sports personalities, I'm pretty sure there are some they're like, oh, like, that's a fine, like, he's hot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw out Lifflock's, uh other quote directed at Nolan and Taylor. But uh, the last thing I'll say about the whole thing with, like, having uh, a female personality with, like, depth uh, compared to what you were saying, like, like a bikini model, uh what you mentioned, uh, well, um, Cowherd, 
Coward, you know, Colin Coward. He, mm-hmm. Remember that the blonde he had? I don't know her per- I don't know her background, whatever, but she would just sit there and like smile and nod. Am I wrong or am I right? Right? Christine Leahy? Yeah, she like, what's her backstory? I'm just asking if you know, because she was just standing there and like smile and laugh. That's what it, that's the vibe I got from it and just listen to him. Yeah, because I remember, um, thing, um, remember her, like actually LeVar Ball came on there and like, I think he kind of like told her like not to like talk or he to stay in your, stay in your lane thing. That was her. And then uh-huh. he also on that same one. That's when he said the thing to about Jason Whitlock. Like Jason Whitlock can't give his opinion on nothing about nothing but snacks. It was the same show. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing with uh, Whitlock, um, before I jump into his quote, is he uses his he tries to use his uh, persuasion, his sexual persuasion. That hat. Come on, man. He wears that. He wears those hats for a reason. He's trying to get engaged. <laughs> engage a, a niche audience or a segment of the population with those hats. Uh, let's have like a whole like room full of them with the uh, Fox and ESPN money he gets. Anyway, so he directed this towards uh, uh, Katie Nolan and uh, Taylor. You're not interested in ending privilege. You're interested in controlling who benefits from that privilege. So I'll throw that to uh, Joel. Uh, did you hear the quote? Yeah, my bad, guys. I had to handle something. Yeah, so basically yeah. The, the, the quote was... Uh, directed towards the two uh, female personalities on ESPN is you're not interested in ending privilege. You're interested in controlling who benefits from that privilege. Basically, because ESPN uh, has had a huge, uh, they kind of like, uh, what's the word again? Overhauled themselves, like be more progressive in the last couple of years, I would say. Right. And they should agree. So any of you guys can uh, jump at this. Um, I mean, like, um, well, like Jason, like I said, Jason Whitlock, like, he's just, he does everything for shock value. Like I, I don't take anything he says serious. Everything he's doing is for shock value. He wants to be that guy. He wants to be that reporter who shoots straight from the lips, speaks his mind, so to speak. You know, air quotes. He speaks his mind. So anything he says, he, like no matter what anyone thinks of him, he's gonna just keep saying it. Like obviously that's how he just made a career out of himself. He might as well just keep going with it. But like. For in terms of just like discrimination, like women have been discriminated on, like and still are to this day, and no matter what industry they're in. So any chance there is to end discrimination in any type of industry, like I don't see why anybody has any negative thing to say about it. It's just ridiculous at this point. Yeah. Um. So Joel, I know you you didn't hear it. So I was like talking about how yeah. like. You know, aside from these women, like, being – because, you know, back when we were, like, in high school, you know, all those different shows, like, they would have um, women on there that were there just basically because they were attractive. And I say that because you don't see them on anything, like, today um, relating to sports. Because if they were there because of their, like, you know, knowledge of sports and just, like, their, their, their reporting, like, they'd still be around. But now – like a lot of the women, like Katie Nolan, um, uh, Maria Taylor, um, Jamel Hill, Rachel Nichols, uh, Carissa Thompson, the list goes on and on. Like a lot of them are about their business. And I mean, us, like the Yes Network, like we grew up with like Kim Jones and now we have Meredith Morakovitz. Like, you know, I enjoy, I enjoyed them being like the the um, field reporters for the Yankees game just because like they were fucking good at it like that's it 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Kim Jones now, like, she's on the NFL Network, and she's doing a thing. And I think she was, like, an accomplished reporter beforehand. Meredith also, she was an accomplished reporter beforehand. So it's like, these women have the credentials. The fact that they're easy on the eyes, it's just, it, um, it really has nothing to do with um, them, you know, being on TV. Or it's just, like, you know, a, a side effect. And I said, like, it's the same thing, like, for women. Like, you could probably pop on, like, a sports show. Or a woman could pop on, pop on a sports show and be like, oh, like, he's attractive. You know what I'm saying? So, it's just a coincidence yeah, how they look good. Uh, uh, that's what I meant. Oh, there could yeah, be some guys. Pretty... Some, yeah, like, some guys who have a, a funny personality, like, they could be good-looking, too. Maybe me and Chuck. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, like, what's – like, uh, coincidentally, yeah. that they could be like funny and also good looking. Uh, but you know, the other part of the quote against uh, uh Kitty Nolan and uh, Maria Taylor was like their their personalities and like their beauty, or their like you know their uh, physical appearance. It, it lacked it, it masked their lack of accomplishments and qualifications and skills. And I keep going back to give give these give the women ten more or fifteen more years, and they'll they'll have like more of a uh, resume than Whitlock because they actually were an athletic background. They have an athletic background, which that's one more thing over Whitlock. Uh, I, they also know how to uh, work publicity too, uh, especially Kate Nolan. She's in different types of comedy. She also does sports and she knows how to like uh, talk to the media and he uses the media too to get his, uh, his, his side out. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, and again, we talked about uh, uh, Joel mentioned uh, his comments on LeBron. You know, he called uh, LeBron like he called him a bigot, and then he promotes racism. Uh, so, how long ago did he say that? You guys remember? Um, I think it was um when his um gate when his uh when they they um like um they graffitied like the N word at his house in in LA, but that was when he was in Cleveland, so it had to have been. Um, at least three years ago. All right, so I guess his uh, with Locke's new outlet, outkick the coverage. They're probably uh probably all over LeBron now too because all the headlines are right leaning. Uh, any uh, any other thoughts thoughts about uh, with Locke, Joel? Well, like I said, um, just judging women like God's like like let's just say Erin Andrews. Like you said, Shug, we grew up on, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kim Jones. Yeah, there we go. I lost my, my bad. I lost my train of thought. I'm taking on mm-hmm. too many names. But we grew up on Kim Jones. And I remember, you know, watching and like, she was attractive. But I'm pretty sure she knew sports. It's just that in a male not male dominated, you know, society and industry, they were probably telling her, Don't talk about sports. We just want to look at you. So right. she could very well have known everything there is to know about sports, but because she's in a male dominated industry. She's probably afraid to, you know, step up and just say what she wants, say what she feels. She's a female in a male-dominated industry. So she pretty much she could have known just as much about football or baseball as I did. And she could have been very qualified to speak on it. It's just that, again, in a male-dominated industry, she was probably told by her bosses, don't even speak on it. We just want to look at you. So like I said, it's... um. It's a good thing that ESPN is trying to stop discrimination because, like I said, women are just capable of speaking about sports, even playing sports. Jason Whitlock, like I said, I don't think he could play a sport 
in his life. So he shouldn't speak about anybody speaking on sports, women, male, whatever. Like, he just needs to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, he actually did play sports, but, you know, as you can see, he, it was football. Nah, I mean, like, you could play sports, but you could be good. I'm talking about be good at it. Like, no, nah, like, but I'm saying, like, you he, be good at it. He, he played sports. So, as you could see, it was football and he was like a lineman. So, he was, he basically got that job because of his weight. Because, you know, any, like, even when we were in high school, like, our coach, like, he would always, like, they'd always see some, like, big, like, fat guy. And they'd talk to them about, like, try to recruit them to be on the football team because you need that weight to be, like, a blocker. So, that's why. So, that's his, that's the extent of his his athletic career. Him just right, fat. Sure. Sure, bro. <laughs> and back then, too. Back then, it was way different. He was, like, 450. Yeah, so um, so it goes back to um, remember when we talked about the Washington football team and the sexual harassment going on there. So, you know, for women trying to get into sports, um, like Joel said, it's male dominated and it's extremely hard. But you know, you have to deal with sexual um harassment, like in Washington, and then you also have to deal with chauvinists, um, misogynist assholes like Jason Whitlock and the guy in Chicago and Dave Gottlieb and like all of these guys. Um, but what was really nice, like I said, when uh, Jalen Rose, the next episode of NBA Countdown after that whole incident, like he comes and he gives her like flowers on air, like, you know, just to see that allyship. Like, I, I thought that was sweet. And we need more people like a Jalen Rose. And we need a lot more people like us who just, you know, if you know if you know your shit and you're good at it, like, you deserve all the respect in the world and nobody should be questioning you. And that's the be-all and all of it. Okay, we were talking about Jason Whitlock and his statements uh, basically about gender bias or maybe just uh, his two former uh, colleagues, uh, Nolan and uh, Taylor. He also targeted LeBron James, calling him a bigot and uh, encouraging uh, like racism. Uh, but of course, LeBron James is always going to be the target from people who have that opinion. Because LeBron James now, arguably, you know, he's the face of the NBA in America, globally. And with that, obviously, he kind of uh, shoulders the burden of being kind of the face for like the black community within sports. So, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks, when the NBA playoffs hit, when they started, LeBron James, along with his fellow Lakers, they came out wearing um, uh, MAGA hats, like a parody of the MAGA hats. So, of course, we all know it by now, Make America Great Again. Mm -hmm. uh, but LeBron James and the Lakers wore ones that had the Make America Great Again. The Great Again crossed out and said, find the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. So, Shug, uh, that was back in August. Uh, and now in September, after the September 12th uh, shooting of two uh, L.A. deputies by unknown assailant, there's been a reward out, <clears throat> 75 grand. And, uh, of course, the uh, L.A. County Sheriff, he was on the a radio, local radio station. And basically he, the word everyone's using is challenge. He challenged LeBron to match 
175 grand and uh, double it. And I guess he targeted LeBron because, of course, he's in L.A. He's been living in L.A. for a long time. But also, he's the face of the NBA. And, of course, like the first thing we talked about came out to being about politics, you know, with the so even in sports, of course, every episode we talk about is always politics and sports put together. So, Shug, uh, how do you feel about this going on, going on with uh, LeBron and uh, L.A. County Sheriff and also just pretty much, you know, left and right? All right. So, L.A., it's a place where, you know, there are a lot of um, millionaires and billionaires, one of them being LeBron James, as you said, that lived there, right? So, obviously, that sheriff department, which is taxpayer-funded, as most um, law enforcement agencies are in different municipalities. Um, and if I know New York, where it's just, you know, regular-ass people live pretty, like, expensive, like, the police department here, because I don't think we have a sheriff department, do we? That's um, an old school. We, we just have New York. Now, New York City, I don't, I know uh, upstate New York got like sheriffs yeah, it, and all of that. It depends on the population, and uh, those are more like like counties, like LA County, and I don't know New York is county. It basically it's differentiated in a different way. Right. So the NYPD, their um, budget is in like the billions. So therefore, um, and we touched on it on the Breonna Taylor's special, Endless um, Plug. Listen to um, listen to that if you want to hear us talk about it a bit more um and what i said on there was basically like lebron's already paying into the initial reward money so why does he need to match it that's one two lebron nor has anyone black lives matter or any celebrity or any protesters or um anything really have has asked for like police to get killed no one ever said that. I know all three of us, we don't want cops to get killed. Nobody's asking for cops to get killed. A matter of fact, even like on Fuck the Police by NWA, not one time in our whole thing, in our whole song, did they ever say police need to get killed. Um, that as with the protests and, um, you know, LeBron James and a lot of these athletes and a lot of these entertainers, um, speaking out, like you're just asking for people to help to be held accountable for their actions. That's it. And just the fact that 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 um that sheriff, like he's he made a spectacle of himself, and I call it extortion on on the Breonna Taylor um thing because now like if LeBron doesn't do it, you know all of these conservatives are gonna say, oh, see, there you go, like. He doesn't care about cops. Like, he, he 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 wants cops to get killed. You know what I'm saying? But if he does, then, you know, uh, he's basically doing it out of, like, guilt. I mean, he, he's being guilted into doing it, I should say. Like, damned if I do it, damned if I don't, you mean? Exactly. He basically put him in a no-win situation. Because if he doesn't do it, it's basically, it's, it's basically fodder for the um, – for, for the – the the conservatives, the Jason Whitlocks of the world, to basically say like, yo, like he doesn't care about police, blah 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 blah. But at the same time, if he does, you obviously know he's. It's not a situation where he's doing it just because he wants to do it. It's a situation where he has to do it, or else he's gonna look bad to 
or he's going to look like he doesn't care about cops or whatever. Um, like that situation there, like those cops getting shot at or, or, and, and, and by this unknown assailant, I hope that person gets caught. I hope that person, um, gets justice served to them. But the difference is like, you want that person get that person to be caught. Like, LeBron is asking for police that you clearly see um, killing people and there's evidence that they're killing people unnecessarily. You want them to be out their day in court and you want them to be tried and you want them to be convicted and you want them to go to jail because they're murdering people. That's all he's asking for. Right. And uh, I assume uh, the, the whole radio interview was a form of retaliation maybe because he wore the hat, but also, you know, the target of LeBron James, cause like they're saying, Oh, he lives in LA now. Oh, he's like, I mean, like a, almost like a billionaire. But so in LeBron's uh, remarks after hearing about that, he first, he said, uh, I, have, I have, I have no, no comment on that. But then later on he elaborated, like we said, but he basically uh, tried to remind everyone like where he, where he came from, like his, his hometown. And he goes like, yeah, like even you know my hometown and LA, we see all the images the videos of violence and uh, predominantly it's people like me. So he wants to remind people like, Hey, um, you know, I'm, I remember where I'm from and stuff like that. This happens all over the place. It doesn't matter how much money you have or uh, don't have. Joel, <clears throat> I want to throw it off to you. Uh, when you heard, when you read or heard the uh, LA County Sheriff uh, Villanueva's uh, challenge to LeBron, uh, how'd that make you feel? It not like, Show hit it right on the money, actually. Like, to me, it's like now he's getting put in a, a lose-lose situation. Like, it's like a double bind. It's one of those situations where now he has to. Like, I feel like even if he does donate the money, we already know why. Because he had to at this point. So, I don't see it as, like, him tarnishing LeBron in any type of way. I don't see it even if he does donate it, the, the money now. I don't see it as him doing it in solidarity or anything. I just see him, yeah, he was stuck in a situation and he just chose the better situation, the better outcome, because that's at the end of the day what we want. It's just a better outcome for all of this. Like all he was doing with the, you know, the MAGA hat crossed off and he wanted justice for Breonna Taylor, like everybody else did. Like every celebrity wanted justice for her. And, you know, unfortunately they didn't get that justice. I know you guys touched on it on the other episode. That's up now. Go, you know, go check that out. But yeah, um, I just find it ridiculous. Like, and even if the sheriff department doesn't get that money, it's like you you're only doing it because one of yours was killed. You're not doing it because of the other, you know, senseless murders that happen in LA. We already know LA is a very, very, very notoriously crazy. Not, you know, every part of L.A., obviously, but there's some certain parts of L.A. that are notoriously just dangerous. People get killed every day and you don't see the, you don't hear the sheriff's department calling for wards for catching a, you know, a murder who, somebody who didn't murder a cop. And so they're only doing this for their benefit. And that's just unfortunate now, especially with the whole outcome. Like this whole year has just been insane with police brutality and now they're just doing this for their own good. And I remember... It happening in New York a few years back where they kill a few cops here. I mean, the, the guy wasn't from New York. He, I forgot where he was from, but they killed two NYPD officers here. 
So it's like, it's gonna, sadly, like history repeats itself. Like, this is why we're calling for a change and just asking for money to catch a cop killer, which who, mind you, I do hope they do catch him. I do hope they catch him. He's not supposed to be in the street. No murderer should be loose on the street like that. So hopefully they catch him, but they're only asking for money to benefit themselves. And that's, you know, the unfortunate outcome of this. Um, And then like the sheriff department, if I'm not mistaken, like either in August or July, there was like a, um, a security guard and he called the cops to like deal with like a break-in. Uh, he called the sheriff department to deal with a break-in. The sheriff department shows up. He's a Hispanic guy. They show up and they kill the security guard that called them. Something else that we talked about in Breonna Taylor's um special that like a lot of these times you call the cops that if you're a black person or a minority, like sometimes like you're calling them for help and they end up thinking that you're the person that's like committing the crime and they kill you. But you know, like I said, they 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 went in there and killed that that, that gentleman now who, who's twenty three years old. Um, where where was that energy there? Like you know what I'm saying? Like why? You know, if you're gonna hold um, if you're gonna hold the person um that shot at those two cops or shot those two cops, like you gotta hold your own department responsible when they're killing um civilians. But I also um, wanted to, to touch on um, the thing I said on Twitter when this came out, that he asked LeBron to, um, to, to match the offer or to match the reward. If I was LeBron, I'd be like, all right, I'll match the reward. But LeBron's actually started a, um, a voters' rights initiative in Florida to get um, ex-convicts, to get them to make sure that their voting rights aren't infringed upon. So I would have told that sheriff, that sheriff, I would have been like, all right, if the LA, if I give this money, then, or if I match this money, then your department has to, to, to give that same amount to this organization that I'm starting to ensure voters' rights for um, rehabilitated um, convicts because these are people that already paid their debt to society and they're out here and they could really make a difference if everybody's saying like oh if you want this to change you want that to change um, you have to go out and vote but these people they serve their time they pay their debt to society and they're coming out and they're having their rights as civilians basically infringed upon because you're not giving them the basic right to vote or you're taking it away or you're making it even more difficult. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lose-lose there. So, like I said, uh, that's one thing. If, if LeBron's backing into a corner here and guilted into giving our money, I'd say, listen, now you guys have to match what I give and give it to my organization that's going to help these, these convicts go out and vote. Yeah, but that's not the narrative they're trying to, mm-hmm. trying to create. You know, it's like basically – if you feel one way about, let's say, like, Rihanna Taylor, then, then, you, then it's, like, a blanket thing where, like, you you, you uh, are, like, the face of all these other, um, like, not movements, but just, like, thoughts and uh, beliefs. So it's very, very, uh, 
you know, it's like cut down the middle like black. It's not, it's not always black and white, uh, pardon the pun. Uh, but yeah, so any other thoughts on uh, LeBron? What do you think is going to happen next? Like, as like the, the NBA is about, is about wrapping up, you think anything else is going to happen in the season? Uh, and what do you think the next month LeBron and uh, LeBron's situation with the LA County Sheriff uh, Department, what's going to happen? Uh, he's he's in the finals now. They just got in the finals. I'm very unhappy about that because, you know, I don't like LeBron James as a basketball player. He's he's my least favorite basketball player. But um, I guess that gives him the stage nationally um, to keep going on with this. But um, I wanted to, to touch on something Joel said. You know, saying that you know LeBron, or I, I think it was it was you, Mike. I said like you know LeBron didn't always live in like LA and didn't always live in like a mansion and stuff like that. He grew up in like a rough part of you know Akron, Ohio, and that's the thing that gets lost on all of these people. They always think like, all right, um, they're rich now, so why are they complaining about um this? And it's it's not like all the other sports. Or with white athletes, where you just grow up in a in a in a in a in a um environment where you're not dealing with police brutality or harassment from the police and police killing your friends and stuff like that. Um, these athletes actually grew up that way, and luckily for them, they were able to get out of the social socio economic um distress that they're already put in from birth and it wasn't given, they weren't given a choice in that. They just had to use their abilities to move forward. And like I said, I don't um, care for LeBron James as a basketball player, but I always appreciated him as a basketball player using his platform and, you know, the, the, the um, blessings that his God given talents have given him to to try to change that and like creating schools, creating um like that voters' rights initiative and stuff like that. Like I always I will always admire him for those things. Yeah, with the timing with this too, uh they're kind of setting it up where, you know, like a proud moment like winning this uh I'll be like different finals. Like when you win and then they're just gonna go right ahead and just like kind of diminish it and uh downplay it and LeBron, like, and everyone else in the NBA can't really promote a lot of uh, what they're what they're promoting, what they're trying to get out there, and they're just gonna, you know, go back to making it a me versus you thing, which okay. is the opposite of what people like LeBron are trying to do. It's kind of like, kind of like the mis uh, the misunderstood uh, message that a lot of people on on like the uh, let's just say the more conservative side they misinterpret a lot of the messages that are coming out, or they twist it, they twist like what's going on. Joel, uh. Yeah. Anything else about this? No, I just feel like, uh, like at this point, he should just keep going on. Like I said, he wanted, all of us wanted justice for Breonna Taylor, didn't get that justice. And Chuck, you said he's in the finals. So, uh, he should just keep protesting, like the way I see it. Like, just keep protesting, keep demanding justice. You know, he's been doing it this long. He's good for that, LeBron. He just keep going. Don't let, um, the LA Sheriff's Department and this challenge gets them. Just keep on challenging them, actually. Challenge them, challenge the system, keep on protesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just a way for them. It's, a, it's like a distraction, too. 
where we're now we're talking about this and we're not talking about the the reason behind it, like why why we need to fix everything, but it's just another distraction. Let's keep it going. Downplaying the yeah, downplaying Can't the worth of someone like Yeah, my bad, my go So like uh this is like a distraction uh from a message that someone like LeBron who, you know, he has the biggest stage, grandest stage. Uh, so it's kind of like downplaying it and distracting it and creating a controversy where there really shouldn't be a controversy. Like, like you're insinuating that LeBron doesn't like, doesn't like cops or whatever, something like that. And it, anything else that LeBron says now in the next couple of weeks, like during this like peak of prominence, everyone who has the slightest leanings towards like, way more like pro police and pro uh, like authority, anything LeBron says, they're just going to shit on him. Like, oh, fuck him. You know, you know, he, he and they'll just like forget it. Like, Cause they'll, like, they'll hear like sound bites and then they'll just kind of like, it gets twisted in like the whole ether of everything. And uh, it's like kind of what they wanted, like, you know, just chaos. Now, now everything he says is just going to be like, oh no. Oh, then, then it goes retroactively. It's going to be like, oh, well, the whole hat thing. It's like, oh, anything with Brianna Taylor is like, oh, no, that's what they want. And it's just like a, a domino effect where it's just kind of destroying all the progress that people are trying to trying to push and trying to create. All right, everybody. So uh, episode 20, we're recording on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. And especially this time of year, uh, especially normally, too. It's uh, Sunday is always a day for, like, football. And we got the baseball going on. Uh, so we're just checking out our, you know, me and Sugar Giant fans, uh, we're all Yankee fans. And uh, this week, though, Sugar gave us the task of diving deep into our sports fandom sorrowness of uh, basically all the, all the times our teams just like kind of last second blew it or just like one of those times when uh, we consider like, oh, that was such a tragic loss. So basically, we're going to ask each other, what's one sports moment you're still trying to forget? And we're gonna have Shug kick it off. Um, there's many. Um, if I could forget every single year, um, after we won Super Bowl forty six, I wish I, I wish I could when it comes to the Giants. But um, one loss in particular that I wish I could erase from my memory bank. Um, I forgot the exact year, but I do recall I was in college. Um, it was during my freshman year. So I think it was um, the – was it my freshman year? Yeah, I think it was my – 20 what? 2010. 2010, okay. So I was actually home from college on my um, Christmas break. And, you know, one, a lot of my, my friends in school – I've said this before. I, I went to school in Pittsburgh. So a lot of people from Pittsburgh and the area around it were Steeler fans, and but they had a lot of people that came across state from Philadelphia that went to our school. So one of my best friends, he was an Eagles fan. So you know we'd always get into the Giants Eagles rivalry, stuff like that. So um, it just so happened this day, I um. I used to sleep late and then wake up really late. So I think I woke up like around like uh, two, like after two. And I pop on the Giants-Eagle game. And the Giants going into halftime, they were up like I think like 20, like eight 
or 21 to 7. And then in the third quarter, they went up and it was like 31 to 7. And I started like talking shit to, to, to my friend. And I was just like, yo, can you tell me to score the Giants game? I mean, the, the Eagles game, blah, 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 right? So methodically from like about halfway through the um the, the third quarter, like the Eagles kept on chipping away. So I think it got to a point it was like it was like twenty eight seven and then it was like twenty eight fourteen and then it was like thirty one fourteen and then thirty one seventeen, thirty one twenty four and then eventually they tied it up. It was like thirty one thirty one. So they had a um the Giants had the ball um or they 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 you know they were trying to get into to overtime and it you know the game was winding down seconds left and they punted it away so you know they punt the ball they expect the Eagles to get it with like my, maybe like five seconds left. By the time, like, he runs, you know, it's, like, two, three seconds left. Like, you probably could get off, like, one play, and then we go into overtime, and then you take your chances there. So you're already disappointed that you had this big-ass lead, um, and you blew it, and you couldn't finish the – you know, you couldn't close out the game. So they kicked the ball, and they had a guy, um, the kicker at the time, or the punter, was um, Matt Dodge. And usually – Towards the end of the game, they tell you either like kick it, um, kick it away, or um, to kick it like past the or kick it into a position or kick it high. So when the um, when the receiver gets it, like your um, your special teams is already like in his face to like, you know, he either um um bear catches it or they could um tackle him like as he gets the ball. But what happened was if you kick it low, like a line drive kick to the guy, um it gives them enough time for them to catch the ball and move up field. So that was already bad enough cuz it's like all right, he could get the ball, bring it across the 50 yard line and get them into field goal position where they could just like kick it for a field goal. To, to win it, you know what I'm saying? But even then, like, if he kicked it and he ran it a little bit, like, it might have it run off um, some time on the clock. So he kicks it to Deshaun Jackson. And mind you, this is back when um, Deshaun Jackson was, like, the fastest, one of the fastest guys in the league. So he line drive, kicks it, he catches it, and he just carves up the field and scores a touchdown and wins the game after the Giants – um basically blew this big ass lead and it, it it's pro I think it was probably like the only time I ever seen like a coach like admonish a player like on field because Tom Coughlin was like in fucking Matt Dodge's ass like just cussing him yelling him like you know Tom Coughlin's face like he turned red like it was just a crazy scene and um they call it the new miracle at the Meadowlands because um back in the seventies, Herm Edwards, um, the Giants and the Eagles, um uh back in those days, like you'd basically 
um set up and and make a play to like just um end the game. But now because of that play, they have what they call the victory formation formation where you know the guys just line up and the QB takes a knee to run out the clock. And it was all off of the um that original miracle of the Meadowlands. So I say that because like I said, I texted my friend and I was my friend from Philly, the Eagles fan, and I was like, yo, like what's the score? can you tell me the score of the Giants and the Eagles game? Like so he texted me after the game. He was like, Shug, can you tell me the story of the Giants Eagle game? I'm sorry, I I, I didn't see it. And like I, I was just um it, it was just a really like embarrassing moment for me and just a really terrible loss for, for the Giants. Um that just sticks out on my mind. And if I could get it out amongst other things, like that's that's one of them. Yeah, speaking of that text. I don't even do, like, social media anymore. If I don't do, like, a funny little uh, meme, it's like a game's going on. Yeah. I don't even do that. You know, I'm afraid, like, it's going to bite me in the ass. Well, you know, on, on stuff, like, you can, on, on Twitter, you could just save stuff in drafts now. So sometimes that's what I do. I, like, write up a draft, and then I won't set it till like, game's over now. Yeah, yeah, you got to make sure. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Giants fan. I, I, I think I might be more Giants than Yankees. Uh, at this point, um, but me and my brother always had a mantra for the Giants. It's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows because uh, the next year, though, next season, Giants uh, Super Bowl 46. So that's the silver lining on that one. Yeah. It's still terrible because just obnoxious fans, NFL fans, you know, they're going to be like, they always just bring that up out of context of like what else happened prior and then like afterwards. NFL.com in 2013 the fans voted that the greatest play of all time, greatest NFL play of all time, with Deshaun Jackson punt return. Oh. I, I, I hate fans. I hate, <laughs> I hate most of them. The fans of my, the teams I like, I hate them too sometimes. But uh, also, it was the first time ever that uh, the game ended, time expired from a punt return. So that was a first. Uh, and it's, it also hurts even more so because uh, the Eagles is like, I hate the Eagles the most out of any other franchise. I say it's probably Eagles mm-hmm. and uh, I guess Red Sox and then probably the New York teams like Jets and Mets. It's it's interesting. I mean not to cut you off, it's interesting because because of that um like the friendships I had. Like uh, you know when I was in college, like I said, you know, everybody was like Steeler fans, like more Steeler fans than anything. So me and like the Eagle fans, even though like we had our own rivalry, we would come together to collectively hate the Steelers. Um, so like when the Steelers lost like Super Bowl forty five, like we were giving like us all us non Steeler fans would get together and give them shit. So um a lot of the guys that I went to school with, you know, I hate the Cowboys and I hate the Patriots probably above like anybody else. But when the Steelers played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I was actually um, – did I say Steelers? I meant Eagles. When the Eagles played the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I actually was rooting for the Eagles. And I just remember seeing um, the um, – I mean, I kind of was halfway with, it, like, rooting and rooting against because I'm like – I didn't like the idea of, like, another team beating Tom Brady because that was kind of, like, our thing that we beat him twice and beating Belichick twice. 
And, you know, that was our, like, the significant thing about Eli. And, but, you know, seeing... It was a feather in the cap. And I agree with you. Like, I was rooting for the Patriots because the only two blemishes on the Belichick and Brady resume was the Giants. Now it's like... Yeah, and then they... And then the Eagle, um, the, the thing we always had over the Eagles and all the other teams in the NFC East in, in our rivalries is the fact that we, um, they were the only team that hadn't won a Super Bowl. So everybody would always like pick on them for that. So seeing a lot of like my really good close friends on like Snapchat after that Super Bowl, just like celebrating and, and seeing the celebration in like Philadelphia, I'm like, you know, even though I hate these guys or I hate that team, like just you know, I felt happy for them that they got that relief. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Philly, the city. Uh, just always sunny at the show. Uh, but yeah, but <clears throat> not my bad. I'm saying like I don't watch football like that. But now I had to like YouTube the miracle at the New Meadowlands, and yeah, yeah and I could see well. how that hurt. Yeah, you see how soul crushing it was. <laughs> yeah, because yeesh. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so, like, uh, I know now that they changed it where it's uh, um, with the wild card seating, like, one division could have, like, all their teams in. But even back then, uh, many years, uh, the NFC East, all four teams were contenders to, like, make to the playoffs and be uh, not just one and done. Uh, So this was the same year. Um, Giants were 10 and 6. You know, they both have the same. You know, they were they were ten and six, but they just their uh their their division uh, yeah it was, things fucked them up. Not so not, like, the, not the good show. Like, rivalry because everyone had a chance. Everyone had a yeah. chance like every other year. Not to cut you off, but I think there was a stretch um between like two thousand like eight and like twenty fifteen where each of the four teams had actually been division champions like even the Redskins um the Redskins won the division Cowboys obviously won it a lot the Eagles won it and the Giants won the division the year we won um 46 so yeah it was really competitive back then like the, the NFC East and you know for a few years remember people used to call it the NFC lease because all the teams were like bad and it just was like one one team would back into the playoffs just off of the strength of just, like, not being as bad as others. Yeah, they were good at the same time, bad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, like, 30 years ago, the the whole Bills fiasco it was, like, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of yeah, like they're always great together, and they're always, you know, shit together. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so uh, we've, we've, ra- we've rambled about this whole uh, terrible new miracle, the new metal ass. Uh, but it's a learning experience because we always know that maybe next year, there's always next year, and we found that out. But, uh, Joel, uh, when you were thinking about one of the moments that you want to forget, uh, what did you land on? Well, for me, I've only known watching baseball. That's been my sport. And being a Yankee fan for me, it's 2004. Not necessarily the whole season, just specifically the playoffs. And even more specifically, the ALCS against Boston. Because we were up three games to zero. Three games to zero out of a best of seven, you know, series, obviously. So, obviously, we just needed one more game to win to advance to the World Series. And for me, yeah, I became a Yankee fan, really, 
the season before, so 2003. That's when I really became a Yankee fan because I was playing baseball myself. So yeah, me I too. Was, you know, naturally became a Yankee fan because of that. Me too. Because, me too. you know, I was playing baseball. Exactly. Just like should. So that that's why 2004 even hurt even more. Again, specifically the ALDS. Because I just remember game three, we blew them out. I think it was like 20 to something. Yeah, 19 like, to 8. We blew them. Yeah, 19 to 8. Thank you, sir. 19 right. to 8. So that was like, obviously, after that game, I figured either game four, we might score half of that, win the game, or even less than that. Still might win the game because we, were, we weren't really outscoring Boston in the series, but we beat them a couple times by like probably two runs or more. So we weren't really outscoring them like that other than game three. So after game three, I was just feeling extra confident that we were going to blow them out. They lose game four by, I think, two runs. And then, like I said, yeah, I can't even talk about it. I'm getting mad already. So here comes game five. Again, I'm thinking, all right, game four is just a heck, you know, little blimp. Game five is going to be the same. Uh, who started that game, I believe? Oh, it was like a albatross of pitchers. Like, like, I can't remember who started, but like you know, I know, I know, low, I, I, I know, Loiza was on on the roster. Loiza, it was probably him. Drug King, future drug King. Loiza. Yeah, but yeah. well, we we had like a whole like power club. That's another reason why we lost our series because we didn't have like a rotation. We had like John Lieber, uh, Esteban yeah, Loiza. Uh, Kevin Brown, Javier Vasquez, like, and that's four oh, names. That, that, think about that. That's five. You have five pitchers, right? And those four um, people, I would not um, even, I, they would be the last person I would want to start a game to save my life. And it was like, I'm four, and then you see, you know. <laughs> like, and the we, thing is, game three, he, he started, Javier Vasquez started game three, and had we not Scored those 19 runs, I don't think we would have won that game either, mm -hmm. to be honest. But still, it's kind of like uh, that whole series ALDS just blew mine, cause especially because for some reason, I don't know why, high school I went to, there was a bunch of Boston fans and went to a school in the Bronx. Cause so for some reason, everybody in there was a Boston fan. And what? I went to school the next day. And I couldn't stop hearing anything from, like, that was the most horrible thing. When you go to school the next day, finding out, like, your haters, like, they're going to joke on you, clown on you because your team lost. That's, but like, the, the worst feeling of the The thing I got from them, like, the consensus was, like, you know, a lot of them were, like, Dominican. Um, yeah. But but unlike you, Joel, like, you know, you, you're a Yankee fan. Like, them, they were, yeah. they, they were Dominican, and they rooted for the Red Sox because, you know, they had Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez. Um... I mean, I rooted for them too, but not when they played against the Yankees. When it was against the Yankees, just nah, they got an enemy. Yeah, like listen, when they like, weren't playing against the Yankees, I liked Ortiz, I liked Pedro, I liked Manny. But when they played against the Yankees, like, you're the enemy. There's no love there. Yeah, listen, like man, no I always have love for like Manny Ramirez. Like, I, the day he got traded from Boston to the Dodgers. It's one of my favorite days in baseball. My favorite non-Yankees trades, like, I was excited about because I was like, wow, I could finally root for him. And then he got, like, the old Manny Wood. Um, 
thing with with the Dodgers. Um, but listen, like two thousand four, that was like the first game seven of two thousand four. The only time in my life I ever cried over sports was that game because I was like, wow, we really fucking blew it. Like Johnny Damon's like grand slam basically like sealed it, and it was just. Oh, yeah, it, it, like, after that, it was just like, wow, fuck, we, we, like, blew this one. And, like, I just remember being so angry. Like, I wanted Joe Torre to get fired. Because I was that like, was off Vasquez, right? Kevin I Brown. know he hit a grand slam off. No, but I know he hit a grand slam off Vasquez. That might have been one of the other games. But, you know, it was yeah. – um the thing about it, too, was, like, they blew – um uh, Mariano blew game four and game five, I think. Like I think that leads going into the ninth inning, and, and like to this day, they um Doug Robert um Dave Roberts like I still can't stand him. Like I don't every time I see his face, I get infuriated. Cause if he was out at second, we was going to the World Series. Um, and I've only been like I've been like half-heartedly rooting for like the Dodgers because when they went to the World Series, cause you know now we hate Houston, and of course Boston you hate. So it's yeah. like you kind of like it's like damn you gotta like make a you're dancing with the devil there because it's like I can't stand this guy but you know that's a that's a that was definitely a, like a really like rough loss. But, but it's, you know, it's just more difficult because like I said it's just the whole postseason. Boston ended up you know already know how they ended up. And the then they ended the up year. winning. And then they ended up. And I, I thought like 2009 would have like um like, relieved me, 2009 would have, like, relieved me from it, and it, it's just still, like, to this day, I still, like, I'm infuriated by it, but even though Boston went on to win, like, three World Series after that, a lot of Boston Two of them fans, are tainted, by the way. Yeah, just yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. I um, had to throw that out there right away. Yeah, it is. Uh, a lot of Boston fans, they, like, Aaron Boone's 2003, like, they still can't like get over that one like if you did this on a Boston if these were Boston fans talking about sports memories they want to like get off their mind obviously like the curse of the band you know they have several but they'd still put like 2000 they put 2003 on there like they still can't get over it the same way I can't get over 2004 like we could like a month from now Yankees could be celebrating their 20th 28th world championship and I'd still be like man fuck like I, I I still like hate. I, I still we shouldn't have lost 2004. Like it's not Russian. Like I said, with me finding out the tainted World Series, which one was it? 07 and which one else? Should help me. You know. Well, two thousand like 2013 might be the only like indisputable win. Cause 2018, like they also were they they also got investigated for like the sign stealing thing too. So seventeen and twenty seventeen yeah, with the the Astros and twenty eighteen also. I know there was a year where like they won the World Series. It was uh, found out Ortiz and Manny was on PEDs. Well, they won. What year was they, that? They were on 04 and they won two thousand seven. So those obviously. Yeah. So yeah. So like once I found out, like like I right, was kind of tainted. It kind of relieved the pain a little bit because like I right, was tainted. They had to. Obviously, has some juiced up players for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but so that kind of like, that kind of eased the pain. But, but to me, it's like when you get into that PED, um, whether they count, whether they don't count, then people could say, "All right, well, we had like 
Roger Clemens, 99-2000, Andy Pettit, 99-2000, because, you know, supposedly, allegedly, Clemens introduced them to, like, the, the PEDs and stuff like that when he came to the Yankees, and then 2009 with A-Rod. So I don't really like to get into that whole, like, you know, nah, uh, cheating and, and I'll be that, that guy. Right. I'll be that guy. But, yeah. Mike. <clears throat> but, yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah, for me, of course, that's a big moment for me, too. But uh, I actually always used to I would cope with it by thinking about 2003 and how much of a big moment that was. I actually – I think I brought this up before. I have like a VH, not a VHS, but I have a camcorder of that night when I watched from my family, the game, 2003, game seven. I have it like recorded. So that still is like a part, like as, my, as a fan growing up, I still hold that close to the heart. So I know we didn't even win the World Series that year and Boston ended up doing, but I just try to keep about, keep that memory in my head. Also, there's a common theme so far going on with uh, your first two choices, Shug and Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrated. Narrated by Joe Buck, a damn voice. Um, <laughs> so anytime you watch highlights, it's like, can you believe it? You know, it's just like, Jesus. I like Joe Buck now, but because I, I I get his shtick, like he's doing a bit. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a soundtrack of your misery and your triumphs. It's, it's, yeah, his first year was '96. I think yeah. his first year on the national stage was like '96 World Series because that was the first year Fox had it. I believe maybe it was '95. But yeah, so I had. I had uh, Shug's on my list, um, and of course, I think we all had uh, 2004, so I made a short list. I was also going to throw in uh, another Yankee moment, uh, 2001, uh, but I left that off because I was m- much younger, so I basically was, like, feeding off of, like, my brother and, like, my dad. Like, I, he, they watched, like, all, you know, every game that year. I just jumped in probably in the playoffs or game here and there. So... Uh, Doing something different, I landed on uh, the 2002 NFC wildcard game between the New York football giants and the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so that was also narrated by Joe Buck. And it was another another theme for these uh, choices are collapses and, or comebacks, depending on who you're rooting for. So, uh, yeah, so the giants, at, at the height, it was 38-14, giants were up. And then I don't know the 49ers uh, had uh, 25 unanswered points. Okay. So they came back. And just like with the Eagles and Giants later on, Giants still had a chance to win. Like it wasn't all loss. They had one more chance. And this was like a chaotic field goal at the end. Matt Bryant was in and the, the, the ball like fucked up, you know, and, the, and then Jenkins uh, had to like fumble with it. And there's no more timeouts. Right. And he couldn't draw it away. There's no time left. And uh, I see something's happening live. What's going on live? Uh, he, like the Giants, like they um against the same 49ers, they're down 36 to nine. So they just brought up that like they hadn't, they they haven't, it hasn't been a game that they hadn't scored a touchdown since um 2018. So they're in danger of doing that again today. So he just threw a pass to Slayton. Slayton caught it and then fumbled it. And there's a minute 49 left. Uh, so, like, obviously, today is going to join another miserable Giants day. Yeah, so going back with mine, uh, I guess it was like January 03. Uh, it's the fourth biggest comeback in playoff history. 
it's a big deal. So when the Giants lose and they, and they collapse, they collapse a big time, you know? So that's, you can at least be proud of that. Uh, but yeah, when I was watching it, uh, I guess uh, I was like high, just starting high school, I guess. So sports was sports, you know, like you were, you know, everything was all about sports and shit like that. And now we'd be like, all right, you know, just there's other things to worry about, you know. But that night, I was like, it's that same feeling I got in 2001 and 2004. Uh, is it over? And then I look around like, oh, it's over. Like, there's no chance. Like, that, you know that feeling that you get like, oh, it's done. You know, it's all that, like, you know, it's feeling's over. So when I was watching, I was watching it with my dad and my brother, which was always, was always the supporting cast when I was watching these big moments growing up. But we were also with uh, like my uncle and his, like, in-laws. So when the game ended, it was like silence. Oh, so then, uh, so we were watching with my uncle and um, and his in-laws. So we just watched it, the play unfold, and, uh, and that's it. And it was Jeff Garcia. I hated him. Terrell Owens, I never liked him. It was just this crew of, like, you know, and I was a real big fan of that those giant teams. The, I like Shockey, you know, uh, I liked everyone. Uh, I mean, but the silver lining is that two years later was the start of the Eli era. But, yeah, I mean, that was a big moment. But then it was funny, thinking back, uh, that makes me laugh is, so my uncle's in-laws, they were, like, brushed off, like, all right, whatever. Yeah, we still have the Knicks. That was the last thing I remember hearing that night. Yeah, we still have the Knicks. We'll be back here to watch the Knicks and Mac. Like, <laughs> that's how long ago that was. Yeah, yeah, it's so, like, yeah and it's, like, rapid fire, um, you got like the Knicks losing to um Indiana um after like that whole year they were like beating the Heat, which you know eventually won the the championship that year. They beat the Heat three out of four times, and the fourth the, the game that they lost, they actually had a big lead, and I think like it was a span like the Heat won like thirty three games, so they were playing the Heat during like a hot streak, and. The Heat, I think they had a lead going into the fourth quarter, and they, they blew it. So they played the Heat very well. So it's like, wow, if we were to, like, beat Indiana, um, God only knows what would have happened when we played uh, Miami in the conference finals. But we, we lost. And so that's another one I wish I could, like, just erase. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so basically, uh, I know we're all New Yorkers, and we're New York-centric. I'm sure a bunch of you guys who are listening out there, you have your own uh, own moments you're trying to forget um, that we're not really, you know, we might know, know of, but we're not really like, it's not close to the heart as us. So if you have any, please feel free to share and have yours posted in there and then we'll, uh, we'll, shit, we'll shit on it and say ours is more important because we're New Yorkers. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet at us, hit us up on Instagram, DM us and stuff like that. And, and talk to us about your sports, um, Memories that you want to forget the the bad ones. It's, it's therapeutic. It's therapeutic, guys. All right. All right. So yeah, it was good talking to you guys about all this. Uh, I just want to say, hopefully, like kids growing up and then don't have like kind of the same experiences in a good way because it, it makes you grow as like a, a fan and everything. So uh, Joel, any last thoughts on uh, these sports moments? Uh, to that, like honestly, like, like I said, I'm trying to forget 2004, the whole postseason because Boston ended up winning that, you know, the World Series after 86 years, broke the, you know, curse of the Bambino. And I'm just, it's just mostly because of just the backlash I got after that from, like I said, in high school and even just like the 
anybody in my neighborhood when I, I grew up, like in the Heights, every time I went there and they were Boston fans, I just couldn't stop hearing it. So that's just like, you know, very traumatic. Like, I just can't, like, it was like so much, it wasn't so much the loss that happened. It was just like the backlash that came from it. That's why I'm just trying to forget that whole season. Sure. Yeah, man, like, um, just remember that all your, your, your triumphs are somebody's um, beats. So, um, like we said with like the the Red Sox, like I'm um, them losing the year before. Uh, that's probably like a, a, a like terrible moment for them. Whereas like, you know, the the game with the Forty ers like that was like a great moment for Forty ers fans. But um. The conference finals game, the the conference championship against um the Giants in in 2011, 2012, uh the one in route to Super Bowl 46, like that might have been one of the worst defeats. Like I see a lot of like 49ers fans, I still like ruminate on that. Yeah, that play, it was a huge play. Like uh, it was like Bradshaw knee might have been down, or uh, femur might have been down. Remember, and then now they're saying like. Yeah, look, it was like, yeah, yeah, objectively speaking, mm-hmm. it could have went either way, but yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's a big deal. And you know, they had the chance, and they went, they went next year, they went next year. yeah. And it, it was the um, the the punt return guy, so that was especially, especially, um, you know, special thing, like one, one of the special teams, you know, like the um, the Giants game, because that, that's what makes like, special teams so important because, like, when they screw up, it's so magnified. But when they just do their job, it just seems, like, routine. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's weird how, like, football as a sport works that way. All right. So as we close episode 20, we're going to go around the around the table and do our final thoughts, starting off with Chug. Your final thoughts for episode 20. Final thoughts. Um. Well, first of all, I'm glad we made it to 20 episodes. Um. Hopefully we we got like infinite amount more um coming along the way. So um thanks to you guys and I applaud both of you um for us getting here. Um but as far as this episode goes, uh Jason Whitlock, you know, continues to be um what he is. Basically, I'm not gonna comment on his physical um his, his physical appearance, but you know, he continues to basically be like the scum of the sports world, just um, not only for towards um, his own race, but um, towards women now. And you know, rightfully um, so, the internet and Twitter and social media and all that stuff always hops on him and reminds them how pathetic he is, and I hope they continue to do so. Um, Katie Nolan, Maria Taylor, like, continue doing your thing. You're Both of them, I, I've, I've said multiple times in, in the segment, I, like, they're extremely talented. They have great personality, personalities, and, like, they definitely know the stuff that they talk, talk about. So I hope they continue doing that going forward. Um, LeBron... You know, he's always going to catch heat. And like I say, as much as I, I dislike him as a player, and I think a lot of his accomplishments are, like, overhyped on the basketball court, I admire him as, um, you know, a ph- philanthropist 
and I admire him as an activist. Um, he doesn't keep his mouth shut. He doesn't um, pull punches. I mean, we did talk about him, um, you know, keeping his mouth shut about the China thing, but that's a whole different thing of its own when it comes to um, this. So I hope he continues doing his thing. And then those sports moments, like I said, it's always tragic for it's always glorious for some people and then tragic for other people. That's that's the great thing about sports and and um the fact that we we it, it makes us feel something and it's always fresh and new, unlike, you know, a lot of um fictional um T V shows and movies and stuff like that. Like nobody could script sports. It just happened as they happen. Okay. Uh Joel. Going back, uh, you know, piggybacking off you should um I just hope, like, at the end of the day, LeBron just keeps on protesting. Like, uh, why stop here, obviously? You know, you wonder if justice was Breonna Taylor, like I said again, and that didn't happen. But that doesn't mean justice. we still not fighting for something. We still obviously need to always fight, 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 fight for anything. So now that he's in the finals, even more of a, a bigger platform in the NBA finals, especially after, you know, COVID and everything and sports coming back the NBA bubble, this, that, and the third, everything about the NBA is even in, it's even now more necessary for LeBron to protest even more. And like I said, the challenge that the sheriff department brought up, that's just ridiculous because I don't see them really asking for any well, really, any information when they kill regular civilians. They're not offering any type of reward. They're not, not even like if it's $1,000. They're not offering zero. They're offering $0. So for them to challenge LeBron on that is just petty, honestly. And it's, it's a mockery of, honestly, the system. And that's exactly why LeBron needs to keep on protesting. And as far as Jason Whitlock, you know, uh, like, I pay him no mind. Like, like, everything he says is shock value. Women are just as capable as much as speaking about sports, playing sports. I'm pretty sure, like I said, I know he played air quotes, lying backman, but you didn't play anything as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe a day in my life. I have to see pictures because I don't believe that you were on a team. You're shaped like the nutty professor. Like, I don't believe it at all. Like, cut it out, Jason Willock. You never played a sport in your life for you to be commenting on anybody else and their sports like habits that's enough you know my final thoughts oh what about the sports i mean uh, i said it like earlier i thought like that was the final thoughts oh okay but that's pretty much it i'm just trying to forget the you know that whole damn postseason it's a sore spot yeah Hmm. all right with uh my final thoughts on the uh sports memory we're trying to trying to forget um, we talked about the Giants and the Yankees. Uh, they both have a storied history. Um, they've had great wins. They have had great losses, defeats. I know that we talked about the Red Sox, and they've been great for the last 15-plus years. So there's kids that are men now and women that all they've seen is, like, wins. All they've seen is their Boston Red Sox winning and their Patriots winning. And you might be like, oh, all right, well, they're spoiled and everything, but – this is going to end soon, and then they're going to have to deal with decades of misery. Just like the generation ago who grew up on the Patriots from the 60s and the Red Sox from like during the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, all that heartbreak. 
they got the little treat for the last 20 years, you know? So that's that's how it always works in uh, sports. With uh, LeBron James, a man, like, on the field, on the court, you know, I, I was never a fan just because he was always so damn good. Uh, but off off the court, that's the man. You got to keep supporting him. And someone like that was always going to be targeted. And it's, it's, it's expected that he's going to be targeted in that type of way. It depends on – it's all about how LeBron handles it. I don't want to put any more pressure on him, but it's – the way he's handling it now is what you want to see from a person uh, like LeBron James. Uh, Jason Whitlock, uh, I just think he's a provocateur. He's like shock, he's a shock jock. You know, he comes from back then, late 90s, early 2000s, all about just getting your name out there and no repercussions. Now we live in a time where you have to back up what you say. And uh, it's just basically all the same tricks he's always done. I, I touched on it where he attacked his colleagues. Maybe he doesn't even believe in this shit. He just wants to, when he leaves the company, he just like burns bridges and then tries to get back and then he burns them again. Now he's targeting two people that happen to be women. So, of course, he might not even meet and believe this trash that he's saying. You know, it's just, just it is nature is to do that. Uh, <clears throat> with that being said, this is the 20th episode. Uh, God forbid something happens where uh, we show gets pulled from another uh, podcast and they want him. Uh, I just hope he doesn't pull a Whitlock. I won't pull a Whitlock. I won't ever talk shit about any of you guys, despite what happens with our podcast, because I see this going on for 20, 20 more, 20 after that. So no Whitlock. That's going to be our mantra for 2020, 2021. Don't be a Whitlock. All right, guys, this has been episode 20 of Shug Me the Mooney. Chug, let's uh, let's do the chant. Yeah, man. Um, just a note on something you said. Um, you you said like you know the Red Sox they had a lot of like glory over the last like fifteen years. We also gotta add in the fact that like you know the Yankees right now they've gone um twenty almost twenty um straight years or twenty plus years of um. Being a winning team, like, the worst season has probably been, like, 84 wins over the last, like, 20 years or so. So, um, the Red Sox, the Red Sox, like, they've, in between all those championships, they've had a lot of, like, last place finishes. And I've always said, like, for 162 games of baseball, like, I couldn't stand um, or couldn't even imagine, like, the Yankees if they were, like, awful, like, including this year. Like, the Red Sox, they're in line for the number one pick, I think, with the Pirates. Um, I haven't seen the standards, but they're one of the bottom two teams in all of baseball right now. And I couldn't imagine watching so many games and just them being bad, even if that meant sprinkling a couple of World Series championships in between. So it's weird how sports works that way because it's kind of like the, the, um, the Giants where it's like, more often than not, they're bad, but, like, you get, like, those two Super Bowls, or at least, like, the two Super Bowls in, in my lifetime that I can remember. Um, but that's a weird way of sports. Like it, like I say, give it, and it takes it, take it away. Um, but, yeah, this has been episode 20 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. <laughs>